kid, um, I remember thinking with deep conviction that when I got to heaven, the first thing I wanted to know about were the dinosaurs. When were they here? Geologists seemed to be changing their minds periodically, as far as I could tell. And, you know, I'd read the Genesis and... And there were some references and some like in Job and you're like, are those the time like God? Like help me. I just want to know the timeline. Was it really the Jurassic and the Cretaceous or was you know, like what happened? Now, uh, I have different questions <laughs> that I would like to know. Um, see that's why you should have come back earlier. You missed a great joke, you four. Which is fine, it's fine. Um, now I have different questions then about the dinosaurs for God. And I turn back to the scriptures and am again and again amazed that Jesus took just three years, uh, to, not, not that the first 30 years were insignificant, but he took three years mostly to talk, heal, um, do the things that he chose to do to help us understand the kingdom offer. And with his limited time and cosmic agenda, Jesus said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. There's so much we long to know. There's so much we long to understand. Even as we understand our ability to understand is limited. And here's Jesus telling this parable, very brief I believe it's a very clear parable. And yet, I'm like, is this what I need to know today? One thing that I'd point out about the parables, and especially the kingdom parables, is that the change that uh, Jesus describes that happens, the the parable just before this was the the mustard seed that turns into a beautiful tree. This one is about uh, bread becoming bread, right? It can't become bread without the leaven. None of the change is quick. Just point that out. The other thing I want to point out is that um, the parables and really much of Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, would not make nearly as much sense to us if we did not have the book of John. I read a theologian say that this week that John is the key that unlocks the doors of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I found that helpful in a much more brief way of saying it than I said it last week. Jesus is teaching us that his kingdom that we receive by faith, John chapter 3, unless, uh, unless a man's... Oh, wow. Totally lost my verse that I had memorized. John chapter 3 says... Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The kingdom that Jesus is describing to us in these parables is a subtle one. If you look at flour and then you put leaven into it, you can see it, but not well. And as the process goes along, it's not clear. And yet, without that, the bread will not become bread. In fact, it's not bread until time and all that happens. What's clear about this parable is that something's missing. According to Jesus, a human being without the kingdom is missing something. And so while all the intricacies of this and the other parables might elude us, 
It is clear that Jesus is teaching that faith in him is what is missing in a natural human. If you are a follower of Jesus, I think that this text and parable this morning will encourage you greatly. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I think it will encourage you to consider the claims of Jesus, that a trusting relationship with him is light and life today and eternally. But clearly, just from these two verses, to what shall I compare the kingdom? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Jesus is teaching that what is missing from a natural man or woman is allegiance to the king. Would you pray with me? Father, would you help us as we consider the words of Jesus to hear the the gentle clarity that our lives are not all that they could be without you, that our lives are incomplete without faith in you, that we are not fully human or fully ourselves without faith in you. And for many of us, we've been trusting you for a long time, and I ask that this sermon would encourage those, as this parable, I believe, encourages those that have left everything from an allegiance standpoint to follow you. In your name we pray. Amen. So the kingdom in this particular parable is very subtle, and even in the one before it, and in most of, most of the kingdom parables, it's presented very subtly. And yet it's the change agent, right? You and I are flour. We need another ingredient to become bread. The kingdom is the change agent. The kingdom is acknowledging that there's a king. Jesus is describing the kingdom of God in vague and indirect ways as a gentle encouragement to the disciples who were not ready and to you and I who might not be ready either or at best barely ready to know that there is a king and just one of them. If God exists, then our existence has to be affected by that. And Jesus is saying that God does exist and in fact, we become fully human when we acknowledge that with our thoughts and with our decisions, with our mind, with our allegiance to him as king. I'm getting all that just from him saying the kingdom is like, repeatedly, especially in this book and in Matthew. Well, if God exists, then we learn who we are through his existence. So what is the purpose of a human being? The purpose of a human being, if God exists, and the reason I keep saying that is many of you Doubt, even if you've been a follower for years, which means your faith has a pulse. And so I'm reminding you so that you don't feel like that's evil. Now, it's not good to just let it sit there. We need to engage it, but that's the reason I keep saying it. Knowing that most of you are followers of God, that's why you're in church on Sunday, but also knowing that most of us doubt from time to time. So if God exists, then what is our purpose? Our purpose is to learn to love and glorify Him, Then we learn to love one another. And in that, we actually learn to love ourselves. Our culture would actually be pretty comfortable with that if I would just flip it. If I would just be like, we need to learn to love ourselves. And then we can learn to love others. And then, yeah, whatever your idea is of God, that's fine. 
it's interesting to me that Scripture affirms all those, but affirms them in a very clear order. That for you and I to become fully human begins with the ability and the willingness to worship God with our mind and heart and stuff and hands and decisions. Commandments 5 through 10 and the Ten Commandments are all about honor, learning to honor those in our family, learning to honor with our hands, learning to honor with our sexuality, learning to honor with our words, learning to honor with our minds, not coveting what other people have. So the kingdom is a subtle thing, but it's the only change age. It's the only thing that will actually teach us to do those things. To love God with both our affections and emotions and with our activity. It is the only thing, according to Jesus, that will teach us how to love neighbor. And then the only way that we can, in fact, love ourselves. According to Jesus, again, the kingdom is subtle and it is the only change agent. And you and I, without him, are empty. According to this, we will just be flower that will never change. We will just be a field in the, the, the parable before it that doesn't where a tree could grow but doesn't. The kingdom is subtle and it's the only change agent that we need. I was struck by all the things that I think I need. And maybe you're more sophisticated than me and you are content with what you have, but I think I need a vacation. Right? And, I, and that's not a bad desire. But sometimes it becomes like it's italicized in my mind. I, what I really need is a vacation. And I'm, adding, I'm, I'm putting existential and even like cosmic weight into the need as I assess it. Some of us have like 21 members of our immediate family and we really wish we could sub out like eight of them. Like leave 13 and just, just sub, sub them out. And listen, that's probably because we have trouble getting along with our family sometimes. Some of us think we need uh, more money. I know that this, again, this is a, a clearly a mature audience. We've never, th- it hasn't crossed your mind in the last seven days that things would be easier if we had more money despite experience that it doesn't make things easier. But maybe we've thought that. That things would just be easier if we had more money. I think one of the most absurd things that humans do, and I did it this morning, is think that we need more time. Not to get into why that's absurd, but it's kind of silly. And what we mean is, we wish we had rested really well in four hours and then could spend 20 hours doing the things we want to do. I think most of us have, have sensed the need in ourselves for more intimacy either with the ones that are already in our lives or with the ones we imagine could be in our lives that would make us feel full and complete. Many of us would like to lose weight and gain hair. We might want a different car. We have all sorts of needs with respect to children, for those of us with children. You and I think that those are the things that we need, and none of those desires... All those desires have a pure form that's good, by the way. What Jesus is saying we need at our deepest level is the kingdom. That has been now purchased for us. At the time that he told this parable, the kingdom was not fully purchased yet. He had not done the work of the cross and the resurrection. That's why the kingdom parables are so gentle in tone. The disciples were not ready. You and I are perhaps barely ready to believe that we are being given a kingdom of right living, righteousness, 
joy and peace. Everybody wants joy and peace. We're not really sure about the righteousness part. But the Apostle Paul describes the kingdom as righteousness, joy, and peace. Those things are offered to us. And we need them. What happens when we receive them by faith? You and I become most fully ourselves. In the Screwtape Letters, a very strange fictional book by C.S. Lewis, where an older demon talks to a younger demon about tempting humans, he says one of the things that's so tricky about the enemy, says the demon, so the enemy's Jesus, is that when he says they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him, what he's going to actually do with that is give them back the most full version of themselves possible. And the demon says, and sadly for us, it's true. That's what he does with the follower of Jesus. You and I are most fully ourselves in a trusting relationship with Jesus Christ. I think that that means we could make a compelling case that everyone in here that's a follower of Jesus should be funnier next year. That's how funny I am. Got like six polite laughs from that. And some of you are like, I don't want my spouse to try and get funnier. They already try too hard. And some of you are like... I was mostly speaking. I was mostly speaking of myself, and and most a lot of you are thinking like I don't I don't even tell those kinds of jokes faster. They can't. They, well, that's an issue, you know, between you and the people you tell those jokes to. And but I think we're being made more fully ourselves according to this parable, in allegiance to the King, in worshiping, in learning to pray, in showing up to corporate worship. He is making us most fully ourselves. And so I think that means maybe we should be funnier by next year. Maybe not. I'm just trying to imagine what would it mean for us to become more fully ourselves. The theological uh, explanation of this is called sanctification, wherein we're renewed by the Spirit, day by day, made more in the image of God. So do you call him king? In your mind, with your singing, in your prayers, do you call Jesus king? Good. That is such good news. That means that he is renewing you right now into the fullest version of yourself possible in a world that is still in the presence of sin and death. That means you are being made into a man or a woman who is a good lover of God and of neighbor and therefore yourself in that order. Do you call him king? Be encouraged if you do. That he is, has purchased for you and is in this very moment giving to you righteousness. And you're like, I don't really want that one. But also peace and joy. Definitely want those. Well, they come together. It doesn't, you know, the Holy Spirit is unstoppably good. The kingdom is in you. You get right living too. Sorry. Probably not supposed to say sorry. Kingdom is subtle and it's the only change agent, according to Jesus, that you and I need and we have it. The theological term for this is the eminence, not eminence like supremacy, that's important too, but the eminence of Christ. Jesus said, I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. I will never leave or forsake you. So you and I have that change agent. This is such good news. 
This is why our prayer and our study and our service are not religious acts that merit anything before God, but our prayer and our study and our servants are acts of defiant joy and acts of defiant life in a world that is still subjected to decay and death. We learn how to say help, thanks, wow, and I think also you're great to God. And you're like, those are really mundane words. Prayer is much more formal than that. Some of you don't pray because you think it's overly formal. One of my favorite books on prayer is called Help, Thanks, Wow. By Anne Lamont, it's awesome. I would add to that, we also need to say, God, you're fantastic. I think she kind of left that out. But I should, I should try and write a better one if I have problems. with Anyway, you and I learn to pray as an act of defiant joy and life in a world that is still subject to decay and broken by sin. You and I don't pray to get. We pray to remember that we have. You and I don't study to know more about God as much as to be gripped by our knownness by Him. Galatians 4. You and I don't serve to please Him We serve as a response to his great love that he sent his son so that we can be in right relationship with God. You and I are most fully ourselves in a trusting relationship with Christ wherein his spirit will never quit on us growing us up into better and better lovers of him and of neighbor and thereby of ourselves. Would you pray with me? Father, would you father us into the peace and the right living and the joy of the kingdom? We believe you are king. Help our unbelief. As we pray, Lord, Help us to pray with defiant joy. As we study, Lord, help us to know that we are known by you. As we serve, Lord, help us to do it as a response to your great love. Demonstrate in the life and death of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you that your your spirit never quits on us. Amen.